Blog Talk Radio. Romans 2 and 5. Nope. The righteous judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deed, to them who by patience continue yep. in some well-doing seat, nope. for glory and honor and immorality, yep. eternal life. But unto them that are nope. contentious and do not obey the yep. truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. You an African American? Nope. You believe that's your heritage? Yeah. Do you know who you are? Nope. King, queen? Yeah. Nigga with back? Nope. Do you shine like a star? Yeah. Think they gon' say it? Nope. We gon' explode. Yeah. yeah. They gon' take your life? Nope. So many secrets in the vault? Yeah. Do this knowledge cost? Nope. Hop in the book to mine? Yeah. Do you follow these laws?
from. You got to choose one. Who you gonna choose the most? I heard it's hard to choose. Two sides to choose from. You got to choose one. Who you gonna choose? Who you gonna choose? Got to choose. Alright, alright, alright. You're gonna learn today. Alright, 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 alright. Hopefully we're gonna learn today. Shalom and good morning. Uh, welcome once again to another episode of ISBHPK presents Bible Talk. Um, I'm your teacher for today. My name is Mashallah. Uh, I am one of the teachers with the Israelite School of Biblical History and Practical Knowledge, uh, with school locations in San Antonio, Texas. Houston, Texas, uh, Northern Virginia, and Rochester, New York. Again, welcome to welcome to our show, welcome to our, 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 our podcast here um, on the uh, www.blogtalkradio.com uh, platform. Uh, for those, uh, all you can call in live and listen to the show at um, area code 646-668-2568. Again, area code 646-668-2568. Um, if you like to call in, listen live to the show, or you can catch one of the archive shows. Once, once, the, the, once we, once the shows are, 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 are broadcast, um, you, you can listen to any any of them, either at uh, Google Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio Podcasts, um, uh, Apple iTunes uh, Radio uh, uh, Podcasts, or Podcast Addict. And all you gotta do is uh, search for or put, put in the search box, ISBHPK Bible Talk. And you'll be able to catch any one of our, uh, the, the, the podcast or shows that we've done on, on through the, uh, the, uh, uh, our podcast. All right? Just uh, try, try not to overthink this and try to keep it simple. Um, that's the way to uh, uh, be in, t- in touch with us. Um, as, as well as the ISBHPK Network, uh, you can uh, catch uh, our live shows also on YouTube if, if you're more of a visual learner. Um, on YouTube, under ISBHPK Houston. Uh, Norfolk, uh, Rochester, or ISBHPK San Antonio um, uh, for ways to, to, to stay in touch, stay in the loop. Even actually attending one of the, one of the schools. Um, we are we are Hebrew Israelites, uh, and we do teach at the so-called Negroes, West Indians, Puerto Ricans, Haitians, Dominicans, Cubans, <coughs> excuse me, North American Indians, similar Indians, Argentinians, Chileans, Brazilians, Colombians, Panamanians, and the so-called Mexicans, um, Negroid, Hispanic. And so-called Native American descent, you are descent, descendants of the original twelve lost tribes of the nation of Israel here in the Western Hemisphere. And that, yes, the twelve tribes of Israel have been scattered to the four corners of the earth, um, as the Scripture does tell us and relate to us as as part of the punishment to the Israelites um, upon us coming out of Egypt under the hand of the, the, uh, our first Savior uh, under the direction of God, being Moses, that we were given a, a contract, we were given a covenant. Uh, between the nation of Israel and the Almighty, the, the, the Most High. Um, that upon our obedience to his laws, his statutes, his commandments, that he would set us on high above all this of the earth and that we'd be given the promised land that was promised. And the reason it was called the promised land <coughs> is because the, the land that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, um, the land of milk and honey, um, the uh, first Hawk Crescent, uh, as, as, as uh, educa- educators uh, became to call it, 
that that was given to Abraham and to his descendants, to, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, that, again, while our obedience um, and submission to, to the Creator's law, statutes, and commandments and judgments, that we would be so high and we, we would dwell in that land forever upon, upon, again, our obedience. But upon our disobedience, there would be certain, certain consequences uh, that would befall the nation of Israel. One of them is that we'd be, we'd be exiled out of the land um, uh, that became known as, as the land of Israel, and that the Israelites would be scattered, the seed of Israel, the, the, the uh, ancestral tree, the ancestral seed of, of the Israelites would be scattered among all nations as part of our punishment. But that in the end, um, uh, the Lord God was in the Savior, who the world has become known as Jesus Christ, to save the nation of Israel from their sins and from the punishment of their sins um, and bring us back to the land of Israel, bring us back to, 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 the, to our homeland uh, uh, upon, again, um, our not obedience to his laws, his statutes, his commandments, and uh, his judgments. That now we were start to judge things the same way God judges things as opposed to just being stuck into our own opinion, our own way of looking at things, our own perspectives, that we would now... We now realize, we're going to get to the point where we realize Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, where, where God said from the beginning, let us make man in our image. And we've, we've been over this topic and went over this scripture through many, many classes over the past uh, 12 years, um, since 2010, you know, on, on uh, And you're welcome to go check out any of the archive shows that we've done, again, through either... Uh, www.blogsalkradio.com forward slash Mashaba or uh, Google Podcast, Podcast Addict, um, uh, iHeart Radio Podcast, or Apple iTunes Radio Podcast. Um, we have archive shows uh, going back to the beginning, 2000, February 2010, uh, up until current times. Uh, but we've been over this topic before about God's image and God's plan for mankind, for, for, for us, and that the Adam... For, for Adam was supposed to be the image of God on earth. God was uh, Adam was, was being made into an image of God on this earth, not as, as far as a, a physical being of just uh, two arms, two legs, um, two eyes, and nose, a mouth, and ears. Um, that no, it was going to be made his image as far as that when you see Adam and see the people of Adam, that you you're looking at God. That that that. That is a mythological Greek mythology type, type of, 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 of um, inspiration. But that when you saw, the, saw Adam and the people that came from Adam, that you're looking at God, that the people of Adam are supposed to think like God, operate like God, uh, not think that they are a God as in uh, opposition or, or um, uh, competition with, with the Lord God, but under his guidance, <laughs> that when you saw the people of Adam, how they operate, um, how the, the order that they have on earth, that the order that they have when it comes to um, the moral laws, um, not to commit in, not to commit incest, um, uh, uh, no homosexuality because that would prevent people from able to be able to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. Um, but there was a moral code, a moral laws that was given to the people of Adam. 
the same morals that God that God upholds. That the people of Adam are supposed to uphold those that, that, that same moral law, that same moral code. You know, you have the moral laws, you have the civil laws. How a society should run: don't steal from each other, don't kill, from, don't kill, don't kill one another. Um, do not commit adultery. Um, uh, uh, marriage laws. Um, how, uh, who to marry? What's the right way to marry? Um, how to run a society? How society should, should, should be taken care of? Um, how, how the land uh, should be dealt with? How agriculture should be dealt with? Um, that there were civil laws um, that was given, a civil code that was given to the Israelites, to the, to the Adamites, uh, the people of Adam that was supposed to be upheld, that the rest of the earth would be able to look at them for an example of how to do things properly with how, how God uh, put everything together. So there, was a, a, there were moral laws, civil laws, uh, dietary laws. Um, if you're a meat eater, then what meats to eat uh, are, are clean for human consumption, and what, what, what meats are not um, uh, um, designed for human consumption. That if it's going to be uh, uh, an animal, a bovine, a bovine creature, um, cattle, that it must have uh, uh, the cud and have a split hoof. Um, that those, these are the animals that if, if, if a person decides they want to, uh, they're going to be a, a meat eater, a carnivore, that there's animals that are designed that the way they, their digestive systems are put together, um, even as far as what they eat, that if, if, if humans decided they want to become, uh, want to be meat eaters, that there's a dietary law given to them as far as what animals are on land to eat. Um, as far as even uh, um, seafood, that if you're going to eat seafood, that anything coming out of, the, out of the waters, whatever water it might be, it must have fins and scales. Um, as opposed to the shrimp, catfish, um, octopus, lobster, turtle, um, uh, eel um, that people might be eating, and you get some shark, shark fin. Um, that th- these, those animals were not were not created for human consumption, to get for a human body to get the most out of life, to live the most healthiest life, to have to have the most um, abundant life, to be able to enjoy all the things that the fathers created on the planet that your health is important. So if there's, uh, uh, again, among the animals, in, in the dietary law, what animals were, were okay or even profitable for human consumption, and which animals were not profitable for human consumption, even among the fowls of the air, the so-called birds, um, uh, quail, pigeons, um, turtle doves, uh, cornish hens, um, uh, turkey, chicken, uh, uh, pheasant, that all these chickens, these particular fowl were, were clean in the eyes of God and, and, and fit for human consumption, if, if, if that's what you're, what you're choosing. But then uh, uh, fowl or birds as far as vultures, hawks, eagles, um, vultures, um, or, uh, ravens, these were not fit for human consumption. They're carnivores. They clean, they clean the earth. Um, you don't want to consume that and bring that into your body, bring that into your temple, um, and defiling your temple and shortening your life. Um, and so that you can't really get a chance to enjoy um, everything that God has created on the, on the planet Earth um, and, and living a real godly lifestyle. So, again, the people of Adam were given a moral law, a civil law, a dietary law, and a ceremonial law. Um, how does God want to be worshipped? How do you worship God? Uh, what sacrifices are acceptable to God? Um, what offerings and what things 
that God wants. That all these were, were given, again, to the people of Adam to be the image of when you see people of this nation, of all these people on the earth, you're seeing people operating on how God will operate if God physically walks the earth. That um, not in some Zeus, again, I want to make sure that that's not the impression I'm leaving, not that it would be like some Zeus or some Neptune or some, some um, um, Clash of the Titans uh, type of mythological um, Odin and Thor and, and, and Loki type of, of, of uh, Greek mythology or Norse mythology or, or even uh, going to like, the, like the Egyptian mythology with Horus and Isis and, and, and Maat or whoever, then know that it, it wouldn't be in that type of, type of, of, of mythological um, uh, presence, but it would just be a real practical way of looking at them, a real practical way of living. Hence the Israelite school of, of um, building history and practical knowledge, that the knowledge of God is practical that it, it, it can be put into practice. It's, it's not too difficult. It's not too hard. It's not too, too um, uh, there's just too many laws that God does not want people to live by. God gave us the laws for our good. Let me see if I can find that scripture again real quick. And for it not to pull me too far off topic. Um, Deuteronomy Cool, I don't know for me now Um Deuteronomy chapter 10. All right. Uh, what was the purpose of God's commandments? Now, let me, let me, let me, let me let's, let's answer that question. Let's, let's tackle that a little bit and see what the scripture says. All right. Let's see what the Bible says. Why did God give us, give us the commandments? Why did God give us the laws? Did God really give us something that he knew that mankind could not uphold? Did God really set something up uh, um, that his laws, his statutes, his commandments were just too impossible for people to keep? So he decided after, after, uh, a couple of millenniums to right now throw the law away like like what like what church might teach you or Christianity might teach you that now he just he just God being all knowing God being uh, uh, omnipresent uh, God being all powerful he just could not figure out that that his laws his his commandments are just too too they're just too much. That people just it, that 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 it it's just it just can't be done. So he punished the Adamites, the people of Adam that came from Adam. Then he punished um, the Israelites um, after giving after the flood, giving the Israelites his laws, his commandments to, to now uphold his image on earth to do things the way he does things in, in heaven, so on earth. So now, so it just became too impossible. So that he had to, to rethink himself and, and make Jesus Christ uh, to die for our sins. Now anybody, now it's just about you live how you want to live, you do what you want to do, and God's not going to accept it. 
if, if, if we go with that logic, which is which, which, we, which we get from the Christian church, um, and we do believe in believe, believe you me, don't let don't let my words saying what you get from the Christian church uh, put into your mind that we look, that we do not believe in Jesus Christ. Um, when the paleo Hebrew um, uh, Yahweh Shai or Yeshua, oh, we most certainly definitely do. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He, he's the, the chosen one. Matter of fact, the word Jesus Christ means the anointed Savior. Uh, the Messiah is another word for uh, the Messiah. comes from the, the Hebrew word Mashach, which means anointed. He's the chosen Savior for the nation of Israel. He's the chosen Savior for the nation of Israel. And we're, we're going to get into this a little bit. But church would have you believe, the modern pagan church that teaches things like Christmas, that teaches the acceptance of Easter, that teaches the acceptance of the new year being uh, December 31st or January 1st, as opposed to in the springtime when God says so in the Bible that the springtime is when the new year starts, not the dead of winter. That, um, or, you know, shortly after the, the, uh, the, uh, the winter solstice. That uh, no, that, that he said from the, from the, Christian, for the Christian pagan perspective, that the law was too hard for people to keep. So after punishing the, the people of Adam and bringing the flood, by the whole earth, then giving his law, such commandments to the children of Israel, um, they breaking them, and then they're going into each, uh, a punishment. Then now he had to go ahead and bring Jesus Christ to now make things all new and let people just live how they want to live. Uh, no. So what was the purpose of God's law? Why, why did God give us his commandments, his law, his statutes, his commandments? Why did the creator of the universe give us instruction manual um, and, and rules of how to operate what he created, what he built, how to, how to operate it properly? Why did he do it? You know, if, as, as we just came out of the Hanukkah season um, and people came coming out of this pagan Christmas season, you got gifts. A lot of people acquired a lot of new things. Um, and name one thing that you got that didn't have instruction, a set of instructions to it. For anything that you might have purchased or purchased for somebody, whatever it is, if you had to put together a bicycle or someone, put together a skateboard, put together a, a put batteries in a, in, a, in a electronic device, it comes with instructions on how to operate the, the device or whatever it is you got properly to get the most out of what that device was created for. How is it that mankind knows that and will have the instructions? And, and some instructions, and y'all know, some instructions will come in English, and the same set of instructions will be in French, the same set of instructions will be in Spanish, the same set of instructions will be in, in, in Korean. It'll be four or five different languages that the instructions come in that you're going to flip through to the language you're familiar with so you can now read the instructions in the language that you know. How is it manufacturers, men, people, corporations know to put instructions with their products, but then all of a sudden the creator, the most high, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present entity doesn't know to give instructions on everything he created of how to use it properly and get the most out of it? Does that mentality really make sense that God's law now is just too much so he just dismissed it? Well, let, let's let, let's read this. <clears throat> um, I'm in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 10, and we're in verse 12 now. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. Um, and w- w- the topic is dealing with it, circumcising your heart. 
And yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna have to go ahead and break out the books, you know, break out the archives and and and, and blow the dust off of some of some of our, our, our notebooks. I'm gonna have to do a circumcision class. Uh, we, we're going to have to get into a circumcision class, but circumcision was dictated. We know from to it was it was a covenant given to Abraham and his seed as a physical sign between um, Abraham and his seed and the Lord God, the Creator, the Almighty. Uh, that that one thing that was different or set apart among the, the descendants of Abraham is that they circumcised we circumcised our men on the eighth day of birth after the eighth day of birth. The men get circumcised. Something that was to- totally contrary, totally, totally adverse to what any other people on the planet Earth have ever done. That and and this this sign of circumcision is not like we walked around butt naked anyway, like we were a bunch of cavemen or a bunch of Greeks just wearing a, a sheet, a toga, or what have you. Um, that no, we we were dressed, but the sign that whenever we would see our private parts, whenever we would look down and see ourselves. This, to see the, the, the circumcised, the physical, physically circumcised portion of our body that was circumcised like that, that that was supposed to be a sign, a reminder of the covenant that the most sensitive part of our bodies, the part of the body on a man that's used to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth, that, that in this physical symbolism, that that was a covenant contract to remind us that we belong to God. And what our what our member, what that member, the um, genitalia, is supposed to be used to be fruitful and to multiply and replenish the earth. And remember that we're supposed to be doing things the way God wants things done. That is the physical circumcision. But there was also a circumcision that wasn't so much physical as much as it, as it was um, educational, as much as it was in our outlook, as much as it was in our um, uh how we view the world, how we view things. So what we're about to deal with right now is we're supposed to be circumcising our hearts, right? Now, we know, obviously, you don't go get an operation unless you have heart problems where they cut open your chest and actually circumcise and, and cut your heart out. So it wasn't talking about the physical heart, all right? But it was our minds that that circumcision, we were supposed to circumcise our minds, all right? Or, or, or well, let's, let's get into it. So in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it reads, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? Everybody, please pay attention to the verbiage. Pay attention to, to how this, this, this statement is being structured and what it's saying. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? What does God require of the Israelites? What does God want from the Israelites? Reading on. Now it's going to answer that question. It says, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. So what does God require of the Israelites? What was he asking for? Loyalty and obedience. If I'm going to sum it up, God was asking for loyalty and, 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 and obedience to his way of doing things. And to love it. All right? Reading on uh, verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter, or verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. 
I just read Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Now I'm reading Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. It says, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day, for thy good. It's telling you, the commandments that God gave, his laws, his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, was for our good. The, the creator of the, of the planet, of the universe, the creator of everything, left these instructions to get the most out of what he created, to enjoy the, the, the best life, to enjoy the, the best of what he had to offer, being the creator, knowing what he put, what he built, knowing what he put together. He gave us instructions, commandments, laws, statutes, judgments. Have this opinion when looking at things. Have God's opinion when it comes to every situation uh, imaginable on the planet Earth. How does God want things done? Do it his way. Again, we always reference and, and go back to, um, I know I'm jumping a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to slow my mind down. Remember, brothers and sisters, when, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That God is about, we pray for God's will to be done on earth like it is in heaven, to be in his image, that things on earth will be operating the same way things are in heaven. So knowing that that's what the Lord's Prayer is, and understanding that hopefully Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 13, that the commandments that God gave us was for our good. The laws, statutes, commandments, and judgments that God gave us is for our good. Um, if you want to, it's for our good. It was not for our destruction. It was not for us, and it wasn't something that was so impossible that uh, we should take this mentality that it just it just can't be done, and that God is just seeing that that since it can't be done, God changed and said, "All right, cool, everybody, you can just do what you want to do the way you want to do it, how you want to do it. I'm going to go ahead and change, even though I created everything." Even though my name is the Ancient of Days, I was ancient before there was a, ever a thought of what time is. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the eternal. I'm the beginning and the end. I am everything. That now I'm going to change so that now people can just do what they want, how they want, when they want, and now it's just going to be, uh, I just have to accept it. That is not, that is not, that mentality is not biblically accurate. That mentality, I mean, what, how, then what would a person have to repent from? What would a person need to repent from and in order to repent means to change? If it was just about you do what you want, how you want, because God understands that what he gave for our good is, 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 is to you is not good. So, and then he got tired of having to punish everybody. So he sent Jesus, uh, uh, crucified Jesus, and now everybody can just live the way you want to live. Just do you. Just live your best life. Just, just live the best life you can put, put, put together, what you can imagine, and what you think. And for, for all the millions and billions of people that have perished from the time of, of, from the time of Adam, from the time of Abel, <clears throat> up until present day, uh, it don't matter that that 
they were punished and 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 and, and uh, had had consequences come on them uh, for being disobedient to God's word. But now it's just about you know what. Um, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, let it go and just live you. I mean, and if we look at some of the things that that uh, God's law, uh, I've got my son here with me. Uh, let's go to First John chapter three, verse four. Let's go to First John chapter three, verse four. Um, what is sin? What is sin? Uh, I'm going to the book of, uh, again, I'm here with my son now, my, my youngest son. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 4. First John. First John chapter 3, verse 4. committed sin, transgressed, transgressed also the law, where sin is a tra- the transgression of the law. Verse 5. And ye know. Hold on, hold on one second. We'll read that again. Turn that one off. Can you see better? Yeah. All right, so let's read that again. Verse 4. First John chapter 3, verse 4. Whosoever committed sin, transgressed. Also the law. So whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law. Read. For sin is the transgression of the law. For sin, because sin is the transgression of the law. Hey, brothers and sisters, I'm going to do, do this. Um, I have my, my earbuds and my, uh, using them as a microphone. Uh, but since my son is not reading for me, I'm going to put this on speaker. And I'm hoping that this will be sufficient for everybody to still hear us. Anyway, give me, give me just, uh, I, I'm going to take a quick intermission and set this up and give me one second, y'all.
All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, we are back. We're back. We're back. Um, hopefully, again, we're going to project our voices um, and try to make sure that, that, that we are being heard. Um, and I, I know the volume did just drop because, again, I was using my uh, my earbuds and the speaker for my earphones, uh, speaking directly into the mic. Um, but now we're using the the, the 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 speaker on my on my phone. Um, and hopefully we we still come across and everybody everything can still be heard. But I know the volume has as you guys feel just a little bit. Um the volume has has, has has decreased a little bit. Hopefully that's not gonna stop everything from being heard and we can continue with this class. So just in that real quick, um the point I was trying to prove with going to first John chapter three and verse four along with Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse uh, 12 through 14, uh, 12 through 15, is that God gave us his laws, his statutes, his commandments for our good. Right? He did not give us his laws, such commandments, or, or he didn't, better yet, he didn't have Jesus Christ die so that everybody could just continue with sin, that everybody could just continue now breaking his, his laws, breaking his statutes, breaking his commandments, which he made for our good. So now, now that Jesus has come, um, he died on the cross. Everybody keeps living the way they want to live. Everybody just keeps doing things the way they want to do things, having their own opinion of how they see things and, and having this expectation that God's supposed to change. And and now God's supposed to give me the desires of my heart, that God's supposed to give me the things that I want. When God gave us his laws and statutes commandments for our good, for, for – for, I know this is what I'm about to say is going to be kind of sensitive, and I don't mean it to be incentive or crass or to throw this out there just for the shock value of just saying it. But what God's law tells us, he gives us about uh, uh, sexual fornication. Um, as much as we go and people have gone to the Christian pagan church, and you're taught that fornication is sex before marriage. Why is it nobody ever showed you that that's what the Bible says? For that fact, why is it no in the church they never show you what sin is? They never tell you or show you that sin is breaking God's commandments. That sin is breaking God's laws. That's what makes you a sinner. You're breaking God's commandments. It, it, it's no different than. And I say this all the time. In America, or in, or in the, 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 the world, if you break the laws of a country, you're called a criminal, right? I mean, that's what you are. You're a criminal. You're a criminal because you broke the laws of that country. If it's America, if it's Russia, if it's China, if it's Korea, if it's Mexico, if, it, if it's uh, uh, Thailand, Japan, um, Taiwan, if it's Guam, um, if it's Kyrgyzstan, wherever the hell you, you're thinking of, that, those places have laws for the citizens of that country. For the citizens and residents of those countries, there's laws that have been implemented for the good of the people of that country, for the good of the people of that land, to maintain peace, to maintain order, to maintain uh, uh, happiness, and to maintain the culture of those particular places. But if a person or, uh, breaks any one of those, those laws of those places, they will be called a criminal. 
Well, in the Bible, you're not called a criminal, but in the Bible, you're called a transgressor. In the Bible, when you go against God's laws, his statutes, his commandments, his way of doing things, you're a sinner, right? The correlation is the exact same. Just now we're dealing with either the divine laws of God or the man-made laws of men. If you break either one, there's consequences. If I break the laws of America that have been established by the, the Congressional Congress and senators and all that type of stuff, if we break those laws, then we have to go and be judged and you're deemed a criminal. Well, if you do the same type of situation when it comes to God and his divine judgment, and we break his laws, his statutes, his commandments, this is what makes you a sinner. When we go against God's commandments. Now, we keep God's commandments for our good. Um, and deal with fornication. When the churches have taught us that fornication is sex before marriage, that is not biblically accurate. That is not biblically or godly accurate. That to have sex before marriage is fornication. When we, when we read Leviticus, the 18th chapter, we're not going to do that today. When you go back and read Leviticus chapter 18, God tells you, he defines what fornication is. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the, uh, hell, the book of 2 Corinthians is dealing with fornication. Paul was dealing with fornication uh, in, in the city of Corinth with, with the, the Israelites that, were living, that had been scattered to Corinth and grew up as Grecians or Corinthians, not as Israelites, um, under the law of such commandments that had nothing to do with divine, divine uh, commandments. And one of the biggest uh, uh, sins of fornication in the city of Corinth during the time was uh, a man was sleeping with one of his father's wives on, on some real Jerry Springer type of, of um, craziness. Of some real crazy type of, 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 of situations that men were going and sleeping with their father's wives. And Paul named that as fornication. Not that she was having sex before marriage, but that, if that was the case, just think about this, brothers and sisters. If sex before marriage was fornication, then are y'all now saying that Mary, Jesus Christ's mother, was a fornicator? If we go by the, the pagan Christian church's definition of fornication, then that would mean that the Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ's uh, earthly mother, committed fornication. Because she was a spouse, or to, given in marriage to Joseph. If I go with the pagan church's narrative, um, and that the Holy Spirit, an angel, actually came and impregnated her before she was married. Then, wouldn't that, by, by your own church definition, wouldn't that now make her a fornicator? By your own church definition, by what y'all say, yes, that would make her a fornicator. By what the y'all the church system teaches, that would make Mary a fornicator, the mother of Jesus Christ. That would make her a fornicator. But, but we have to go back into the scriptures now and see what does God define as a fornicator. 
I might as well say to go to First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-one. First Thessalonians, New, New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-one. Chapter what? Chapter 5, verse 21. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 21. Mm-hmm. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. So, when, again, come back and deal with the Bible. Um, which is, again, which the churches do not deal with. With the churches, really, the pagan churches really not um, um, study. The Bible says, "Prove all things." So, God gives the proof of what He says is fornication, and you read about this again in Leviticus chapter eighteen, chapter fourteen through eighteen. Really, covers what God considers to be fornication. Part of that is incest, um, um, and then He defines it's not defined as incest because you, you don't find the word incest in the Bible. But it's, it's described as fornication, and it's described as if a man has sex with his father's wives. Understanding that in the Hebrew culture, in God's culture, a man can have more than one wife. That is legal. That's not that's not uh, something that that is um, immoral. That's not something that that is that is um, uh, a transgression or a sin. All right, and the brother Tyson Paz has been over that class. Again, you can look that up on, on blogtalkradio.com um, or Google Podcast or, or iHeartRadio uh, Podcast. The brother did uh, marriage. He, he did like an eight-part series on what, what marriage is and fornication. But he really, really went into that real nice. If you want to go and check that out. But it did with fornication. Um, it does describe that um, if a man has... Uh, if, if a man's father has more than one wife and that man goes and sleeps with his father's wife that's not his mother on some, some mother-in-law type porn or, or, or some MILF type of, 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 of um, craziness, that that's fornication. And that's what Paul said, talking about the Corinthians, in the fornicating that they were committing. She might not be your mother, but she's your father's wife. You know, uh, you might see in, in a lot of sex sites, which hopefully my son is at that many as well as two, but it'll be um, uh, step-sibling, step uh, step-father, step-daughter, step-brother, step-whatever, um, 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 sexual situ- uh, situations. That's really promoted. That is fornication, according to God. That's not, that's not a, a genre, even though it is. It's not supposed to be a genre of porn. Or Johnny um, to be introduced to somebody as a possibility, who would have a sex partner with, um, who who who, and, and, and getting so many lustful thoughts developed in the mind that now this becomes an option, a viable option, something that I might want to consider or think about uh, because I've seen this in porn, I've seen this, um, uh, I've seen these type of situations. God was against that, All right? So the step sibling. Uh, stepmother, stepbrother, stepson, stepdaughter, um, 
that's that's against God. Those that to break those that moral code that is sin. So God gave us that moral code for our good. Not to not to get involved with things like that. Why would that be too much for mankind to take? Then now God would abolish it with the death of His Son Jesus Christ. Then now you can have step sibling sex. You can have step mother, step daughter, step step um, uh, stepson sex. That's crazy. But the church already believes that the Old Testament and the laws of the Old Testament are done away with. So that now, if the law is done away with, then are we saying that now it's okay to have step sibling sex? That's that's the logic of, of, of that's the conclusion you're left with if the law is done away with. If God understood that the law was just too much, it was too hard, it was too difficult for humans to deal with, that he just did away with it now and it's just about love your neighbor. I'm, and I'm using the, the, the instance of fornication and, and, and incest, hopefully because it, 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 it's, it's disgusting in the eyes of a lot of, a lot of people, in the ears of a lot of people. Well, these are part of the laws that God gave, part of his moral law, as well as I guess you include that also in the civil law, of things that shouldn't be done. That to go against that law, that, that's a sin. Now with that, that also includes now we deal with molestation. How many uncles have molested nephews and nieces? How many aunts have molested nephews and nieces? Even their own children. How many fathers have, have molested their daughters? All that is described in the Leviticus chapter 14 through 18 as things that should not be done, that go against God, that go against what God wanted, that go against what God created. But now the beast, which was for our good, because how many people have not been traumatized have been, after having been exposed to these type of lifestyles? Have been exposed to these type of of, of, of criminal, sinister traumas. Many people have. Many people are suffering from finding these things. The, the unspoken taboo, the unspoken um, uh, uh, taboo uh, subjects that happen within families because we've not been obeying God's laws. We've not been doing things the way God wants things done. We've not kept his commandments, which is for our good. So when our children are left by themselves, because the parents are just that that were raped by someone, are just so traumatized, they can't give the love to a child. They can't give themselves to a child because of what the trauma that they've suffered. So now we have child abuse, we have emotional abuse, um, there's physical abuse. That these are the results of what happened because of us not keeping God's commandments, of us not keeping God's laws in this, 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 this real fake Christian, pagan Christian church uh, mentality that God's laws done away with and you can do what you want. So, again, if somebody's a pedophile, have that, how many people have suffered behind a pedophile? He's doing what he wants to do. 
that if it feels if it's good with him, and he, he don't see nothing wrong with it, he'll go ahead and do it. He'll do these things, or she will go and do these things. That's wild. But I, is this not what the, the Western worldly mentality has taught people to do? This, if it feels good to you, do it. Don't care about the consequences. Don't care about who it might affect. Don't care about um, um, uh, generations down the line that, that these traumas get, get passed down. Don't worry about that. Just do you. Do what makes you feel happy. Follow your own opinion. Don't be considerate, kind, thoughtful about others. Just live for you. How does it make you feel? And that's all that matters. You can be selfish. You can be um, unthoughtful. You can be inconsiderate as long as it makes you feel good. And what does that transpire into? What does that spread to? If you want to smoke dope, go ahead. You want to drink, go ahead. And then we'll make songs like Blame It on Alcohol. We'll make songs like, um, um, uh, again, I'm old school, uh, Sibyls of Scissor. We'll make songs about uh, rolling blunts and, and, and um, taking Xanax and taking all types of, uh, uh, and it's this damn um, uh, fentanyl. We'll go ahead and and, 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 and engulf people in this culture so now it seems like it's okay. Then we're gonna legalize weed. We're gonna legalize weed and, 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 and these smoke shops. So people you can just get high as you want and you can blame it on the drug. That it really wasn't you. You were out of your mind. But you were just doing at the time what seemed good to you at the time. Well any thought of any any consequences, repercussions, just do what you want. That's not what God gave us his laws, his statutes, and commandments for. He gave us his laws, such commandments for our good. We as Israelites have broken. So from there, I'm going to ask my son to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. If we understand now that sin is the transgression or the breaking of God's laws, and that God's laws was the, so that we just didn't follow our own instincts. God's laws, such commandments, and judgment was given so that we just wouldn't do what feels good to us, regardless of how it might affect other people. God's laws, God's statutes, God's commandments, his judgments was to prevent these type of things so that everybody could enjoy a good life. All right? Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This was the age of Gabriel when he presented himself to Mary and no, he did not impregnate her at this time. But when, when he saluted Mary um, be, before um, her and Joseph actually had the wedding ceremony, the wedding feast, um, and was letting her know that she's going to have a son, she's, that the time's going to come when her and Joseph are going to have sex, she's going to get pregnant, and she's going to have a son, and that you're going to name this child Jesus. The word Jesus means Savior, all right? The word Jesus means Savior. Now, in the, in the, in the Hebrew, or the Pentateuch Hebrew, um, there were no J's in Hebrew, right? Let, 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 let me establish that first. If you go and do your research, 
Let me, let me see if I can find this real quick. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get lucky. Probably going to say lucky, but let me bring this out. Give me that again for a second. I'll get this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sin. For he shall save his people from their sin. All right? When was the letter J invented? According to Wikipedia, Gian Giorgio Tresino was the first to explicitly distinguish I and J as representing separate sounds in his Pistola del Tresino de la letter Nu Omega Vimente Adjunte Ne La Lingua Italiana of 1524. Okay. Um, so basically, the letter J was invented in... The, in the the year 1524. So think about it. 1524 AD. Um, 1524 AD, just like we're living in in 2022 AD. A lot of people, well, a lot of people have have come to understand that the word AD or the letter the initials AD stand for after death. No, that's it, it's not after Christ's death. It means year of our Lord. Annual Domini meaning year of our Lord. So I'm trying to point out that the letter J was made 1,524 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. If you think about that for just a second, let that kind of marinate for a second. The letter J was not invented until 1,524 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. So if the letter J was not invented until 1,524 years after the birth of Jesus Christ, then how could his name be Jesus with a J? It couldn't have been. Matter of fact, anybody in the Bible whose name begins with J, that could not have been their name if the letter J was not invented until 1,524 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. So now in Hebrew, when you study Hebrew, the Hebrew language, the name Jesus, the name Joshua, the name Hosea, in Hebrew, they're all the same word. All right? They're all the same word. So when we read about, I hope I'm not jumping too much. The man who led Israel after Moses, um, 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 Led Israel. His name was his English name was Joshua. His English name was Joshua. But in Hebrew, when you say his Hebrew name, when you say the word Joshua in Hebrew, the word Joshua and the word Jesus are the same name, and that would be Yahweh Shai. All right. Um, there were many so-called again from the English translation Joshuas in the Bible. There were many Jesus in the Bible. There were many Hosea, Hoseas in the Bible. All those words in Hebrew are the same word, Yahweh Shai. That's why when we read in the, in the New Testament, in the English, English translation, when you might read the word Jesus Christ of Nazareth or Jesus of Nazareth, the reason they had to give the distinction of where he was from is because he was not the only person named Jesus. He was not the only person named, if you will, Joshua. 
He was not the only person named Yehoshua or Yehoshai. There were many people who carried that name. So to, to the, give a distinction about who, which Jesus they were talking about, just like, you know, there was, there's many um, Jesuses in the world today. There's many uh, Peters and Johns in the world today. There's many people named Mark in the world today. There's many people named um, Mike or Michael in the world today. But there's got to be a distinction of which Michael, which Mike, which John, which Peter, which, which Joshua, which Paul, which one are we talking about? For the time when Christ was born, because of how many people were named Yahashua or Yahawashai, that they had to designate which one they were talking about by saying Jesus of Nazareth, Yahashua or Yahawashai of Nazareth. Yahashua or Yahawashai, the Christ, the anointed, the chosen one. That they had that because of how many people carried that name, it was just now when uh, in, in in Benjamin letter J, now in, in losing the Hebrew translations and Hebrew, Hebrew definitions, that now the thought that Jesus Christ was the only Jesus in the Bible, that he was the only one, and that now if you don't uh, worship him or, or, or um, if you don't worship him, then now you're not going to make it to heaven. And it, remember, the letter J was invented when? 1524. Michelangelo, uh, excuse me, Leonardo da Vinci had just got finished painting uh, Cesar Borgia as the white image of Jesus, what, 50 years before? So for it to all coincide, and now you have a white image of Jesus that was painted 1,452 years be, um, after the birth of Jesus, then to come back and invent the letter J, and now teach people this is Jesus, this is Jesus. That now, when you see a white image was put up or painted, just some, um, I guess that's 75, I'm sorry, 75 years before the letter J was invented. And for this to spread, uh, Catholicism and, and uh, Protestantism, um, the pagan Protestantism, the pagan Christianity spread across the world with that white image of Jesus and the teaching that this is Jesus, that this is Jesus, this is the Christ, deceiving everybody, deceiving everyone from the truth about Jesus Christ. So, Coming back now to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it tells us what? Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. And Mary's going to have a son. And I'm sorry, this wasn't the angel speaking to, to, um, to Mary. This was the angel speaking to her husband, um, uh, Joseph. All right? Again, his name wasn't Joseph. It was Yahweh Yahweh Sop. All right? Um, similar to uh, Joseph. Jacob's son, and again, his name wasn't even Jacob. All these J letters now, all these J words. Um, it wasn't Jacob. It was, in Hebrew, it would be Yaiqua. Um, Joseph wasn't Joseph. It, in Hebrew, it would have been uh, Yawasab. 
Christ's father was also named Yahweh who was the son uh, and David's father, you know, King David, being the, the, the son of Jesse, Jesse going back to Yahweh going back to Joshua. See, all this kind of, if, you're not, if you, you don't study, this can really throw you for a loop. But this was the, the angel Michael, or Gabriel, again, speaking to, just for the English translation, speaking to Joseph, the husband of Mary, the, the father of, of Christ. So let's read it one more time. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So this baby's name is going to be called Jesus. Again, for the English translation, if it was the Hebrew translation, it would be Yahweh Shai. But why? Why is this baby going to be called Jesus? Why is this baby going to be named Savior? Because that's what the word, the word Jesus means, Savior, or he who saves. Why was he going to carry that name or that title? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. So we're dealing with salvation. It was, Jesus Christ came and was born to save his people from their sins. And what is sin? Of, from breaking God's laws, from breaking God's commandments. He was going to save the Israelites, his people. Now let's get who his people are real quick. Let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14. Who are his people that he's going to save? Now, now we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14. For it, for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. This verse, this 14 is all I want. I have to read again. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. It's a fact. This is, now, mind you, this is New Testament. Mind you, this is New Testament. It is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Read from Judah. Of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. That Jesus Christ came out of the tribe Judah from the nation of Israel. So in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, when it says he's going to say his people from their sins, then stick it to the Bible, who are his people? Well, he came from the tribe of Judah, of the nation of Israel. So then who is he coming to save? His people, the people of Judah. From there, give me St. John chapter 4, verse 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4, verse 22. Matthew chapter 4, verse 22. 
Ye worship ye not what? Yes. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Cool. So I'm going to have my son read this one more time now. St. John chapter 4, verse 22. Ye worship ye not what? Ye know not what. Ye know not what. We know what we we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Hello, hello. Alright, cool, cool, cool. Good job, son. Repeat it one more time. Saint John the four verse twenty two. Ye worship Ye know not what. And a lot of us worshiping, and we don't know what it is we worship. Oh, man. Um, everybody give me one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. Uh, I need to take another intermission real quick. Hold on a second.
Catch back up. Um, St. John. I'm going to catch up with you. Read it slow. St. John chapter 4, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. All right. Um, uh, give me one second here. All right, one definition of, of worship is honor and respect. All right, one definition of, of worship is to honor or respect. Um, uh, as a verb, another definition of worship is to adore, to pay divine honors to, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration. Um, I like this one here. The third definition of, of, of worship as a verb, it means to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission as a lover. Okay? So when we go back and read this now in John chapter 4. Come on now. 
At verse 22. John chapter 4, verse 22. Oh, 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 read that. John chapter 4, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, when I looking up this the the same scripture in the Greek, right? Because we know that that the New Testament was translated from from Hebrew um, to Greek into English. Okay, um, but looking at the Greek words that were used to, to tra- be translated for the word worship, it says it's from the uh, the Greek. This from the Strong's. Um, um, Dictionary. Um, the Greek word four three five two. Y'all want to look it up? The Greek um, uh, this from the Strong's Concordance um, G four three five two. It's from the Greek word which means uh, which is pronounced pros pros koni pros pros konio right pros konio uh, and probably a a derivative of the meaning to kiss like a dog, licking his master's hand. So, why does a dog lick his master's hand? Worship. That's what worshiping is, but why? Yeah. I'm going to say why. Um, like a tree? Does, does a dog bite his master's hand? Does a dog growl at his master's hand? Why is that dog licking his master's hand? The dog is licking his master's hand at a sign of respect, at a sign of of of, of thanks, at a sign of 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 submission, as a sign of of um, welcoming the master. If the dog didn't want a person to be around, if the dog doesn't want a person to be around him, what would the dog do to show that he don't want the person to be around him? He's going to growl. He's going to bite. But to lick the hand of, some, of, of, of a person, that dog is saying what? I respect you. I want to be around you. I like you a lot. So I was, just, I was just curious. that I've never looked this word up before in the, in the Greek, and, and it's just kind of striking me. It says, uh, worship, again, meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, uh, to fawn or to crouch to, like you bow down. Um, you're not trying to raise up against it and, and, and challenge. You, you, you're trying to show submission, that you're giving in. Um, that is literally and figuratively to prostrate oneself in homage to reverence, to adore, to worship. You, you get down on your hands and knees and, and bow down. You take love. Um, you, by, like when you bow to a, a king, why are you bowing to a king? You're showing that they got all the power. They got, they, they, they got all, the, the, uh, all your respect. That you're not trying to look them in the eye and challenge their authority. That your head is bowed in submission. I'm going to do it your way. You are in charge. I'm not going to look up 
Like, are you crazy? I'm going to roll my eyes at you. Um, I'm going to suck my teeth. Like, this nigga, like, you, you, I'm not doing that. To, to worship is you bow down in submission to whatever this thing is and whatever this thing requires. You, you're, you're humble. Whatever it says to do, you're going to do it. That's what it means to worship. So Christ is telling this, this is making this statement here in St. John chapter 4, verse 22. You worship, meaning you bow down, you give respect, you give honor, you submit whatever, to whatever is said. You obey it, but you won't obey God and what God wants. That's one of the problems that we Israelites have always had. It says, you worship, you know not what. So we give a lot of homage, a lot of honor, a lot of respect to things like as we're in this Christmas season. There's people that are crying because because of, of, of Christmas trees and, and all the lights that are put up for Christmas. Not not for Hanukkah, uh, but for Christmas. Um, the, the the sad feelings that I don't have somebody to share Christmas with. That uh, I'm incomplete. There's something wrong with me because I uh, I didn't get a Christmas present, a Christmas card. Uh, nobody cares about me. Nobody's thinking about me. I had to spend another Christmas alone. I had to spend another Christmas. Um, um, uh, drinking hot chocolate and eggnog, and and, and I, I was just all by myself, and, and it, it's just a sad season when when people don't have somebody to turn to, and, and share a cup of uh, of hot chocolate with the uh, and, and some cookies with. That oh man, you miss Christmas, uh, New Year's. You had nobody to celebrate New Year's with. Um, Thanksgiving, you can get no Thanksgiving Day turkey. You, you, really, you was by yourself. Oh, man. So we worship and we bow down to a lot of things that got nothing to do with God. So it says, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. This is Christ speaking. So not only was it said before he was born, that when his dad was going to name him Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins. Here we have the man, Jesus himself, now making what statement? You worship, you know not what. You, you caught up in these churches, you caught up in society, you caught up in the world. You honor laws, you honor things that, that have nothing to do with God. You fear, another word for, for worship is fear. You're afraid of things you shouldn't be afraid of if you're actually worshiping God. You have a lot of fears and phobias because you don't believe in God. So you have this belief that anything can hurt you, anything can happen. You got to be scared of every last thing that happens. You really don't believe in God. You believe more in in in, in suspicion, in, in uh, superstition. You believe more in uh, it could happen, it might happen. Better safe than sorry. You believe more in that than doing things the way God wants things done to where if you do no evil, no harm shall come to you. That if, you, if, we, if you're right with God, nothing can touch you. Nothing, regardless of what people think or what their intentions might be, you won't get hurt. 
But because we don't believe in God, we don't worship God the way he wants to be worshipped. Now I'll pay more respect to being afraid, to being fearful, to having phobias, to having all types of, of, of mental illnesses because I don't believe in God. I think that these things have, that, that things in the world and coincidences and accidents have more power than God. That's just where you're at. That's you. Okay, that's you. You worship, you know not what. You have no idea what it is that you really worship. All you know is, I got this feeling. I feel this. I feel afraid. I feel fear. I feel this. I feel this. I feel this. Um, I'm in church. Uh, and I, we got to celebrate Christmas. We got to celebrate New Year's. We have to. That's what everybody else is doing. Because everybody else thinks this is special. So I got to think it's special. So I make it special. I make it something that I, that that's got to be respected. I um, because I feel this way. My mom felt this way, so I got to feel this way. My dad felt this way, so I got to feel the same way. Because. That's only normal, right? To feel and think the way they feel and think, that's just proper, right? They respected this, so I'm going to do it that way too. Or I'm going to be a total rebel. You worship, you know that what? We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Christ right here is telling you who salvation is for. Wow. When we look at the, the Greek word of the word of, it comes from the uh, Greek, the strongest accordance of uh, the Greek number 1537. And the word of is translated from the Greek ek. Right? It's translated from, from the Greek word ek. And it means it's a primary preposition, a primary preposition denoting origin, the point of whence um, motion or action proceeds. So if I'm going to read this with that definition, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is originating, is from, is for, is out of the Jews. That's not what Christianity teaches you. That's not what your religion teaches you. Salvation is originating with the Jews. Now, why is he had to say it's going to originate with the Jews? Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to go into that. That's going to take me so far off topic. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Now, give me the other one. St. John 738. 738. St. John 7, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So, Jesus now said, if we're going to believe on him, we got to believe on him how? Uh, as the scripture had said. Jesus himself said. Now, you, you, if you have a Bible with the words in red, you will see that, again, this is Jesus speaking. And for the rest of it, can we read it one more time, son? St. John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That we have to believe on Jesus. Who, who, and I'm, I'm translating that back into the English. We got to believe on Jesus 
as the scripture has said. What does the scripture say? The scripture is telling us Jesus, one, uh, Jesus' father, Joseph, was told that he's going to have a son, name him Savior or Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sin. Jesus says in St. John chapter 4, verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what, for salvation is of the Jews. Now let's go to um, uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Before we get that, get um, uh, Matthew eighteen eleven. Matthew chapter eighteen verse eleven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which lost, which was lost. Right. The Son of Man, on Jesus Christ, is come to save that which was lost. Was the whole world lost? Let's see. Let's get Matthew ten five and six. Matthew chapter ten verse five and six. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Now, this was Jesus Christ giving the commission. This is when the 12 disciples have now graduated to become the 12 apostles. This is when the 12 that he had been working with had now transitioned from being disciples or just students, now being apostles, and now being teachers. So he said, these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying what? And, and into any city. Verse 6 again. Verse, verse 6 or 5. Okay. Both. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These 12, these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying. So these 12, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying what? Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Do not go to the way of the Gentiles. The Gentiles means nations. Let me get this real quick also. I'm curious what this means in Greek also. Some of these I haven't looked up in a long time. Um. When we look at the Greek word that was used here for the word Gentile in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, it comes from, from the Greek word. There's, there's many words that, that are translated into English from the word Gentile. But this word that's used in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, is from the Greek word, the Greek, the Strong's Concordance, uh, the Greek number 1484, which is ethnos, right, which is ethnos. And it says, um, a race, as from the same, uh, that is, a tribe, specifically a foreign, non-Jewish people. That they're not Jews, don't go to them. 
by implication, pagan, Gentile, heathen, nation, or people. Don't go to the other nations. Don't go to the other people that are not Jews. I, 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 I don't know how much more clear it can get. Let me see if I can find this. Let me see if I can do this. Um, I'm, I'm going to look at in several other dictionaries for the word Gentile. And everybody, y'all, please forgive me. Please forgive. I know this, this class sounds real jumbled. It sounds real jumbled. Um, and having to get back to the basics. I see now I'm, I'm going to go over basic classes. And that's, that's, not, that's not an insult or, or to be condescending. But just trying to understand, um, when, when, when trying to teach people who don't study, we're trying to teach people who've never applied their minds to the, to the Bible, a lot of the concepts of the Bible are, are, are foreign. A lot of the concepts of the Bible are just different, just weird. Uh, don't make no sense. And I'm realizing I, I've got to get back to. I've, I've got to. I got to get back to teaching like people are are have just very for the first time just coming in, just coming to the knowledge and understanding of the Bible, because they really um, don't know the Bible. I'm going to just change my mind. I got to change. Cool. So Gentile. Um, from the Webster's Dictionary, the word Gentile means a pagan, a worshiper of false gods. So if I'm going to insert, if we can insert the definition, the first definition of Gentile into what we just read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, these 12 did us forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Gentiles are people who worship false gods, people who who, who respect, fear, um, honor, uh, uh, submit to things that are false, things that are not of the God of the Bible. They're Gentiles. They're pagans. Like people who, who submit to like Christmas, like Easter, like Thanksgiving, like Valentine's Day, people who submit to eating all the foods that God said not to eat, people that submit to um, not doing things the way God wants things done, but according to how they feel. They worship their feelings and their superstitions and their instincts more than they worship the word of God. They give more honor and respect to, well, I feel this, so I'm going to do this. Because that's how I feel. I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I feel. Um, I have more fear of this and these type of events happening than I have a fear of if I do the things that God wants done the way he wants it done, God will protect me. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't come across. So here Jesus is saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles or to uh, pagans or people that worship false gods. Um, another definition for Gentile is any person, not a Jew, and it says, or a Christian. Um, I see that the Hebrews included in the term 
Goem, Goyim, or nations. All the tribes of men who had not received the true faith and were not circumcised. So you're a Gentile if you didn't receive circumcision because that was only given to Abraham, to Isaac, and then to Jacob and the 12 tribes. So if you weren't one of the 12 tribes dealing with the circumcision, the physical circumcision, you was of another nation, another people. You, you, did, you worship other gods. You were considered a, a Gentile. Jesus told the 12 disciples, don't go to them in the same definition. It says Gentiles, um, the Jews, in giving the name Gentiles to all nations who were not Jews. If you're not a Jew, you were considered a Gentile. So Jesus Christ is telling the apostles to what? The message of salvation. The message of, of, of who Jesus is. Do not go to the people outside of the Israelites. Do not go to the, the Gentiles. They might be your friends. They might, you might get along with them. They might loan you some money. But the message of salvation doesn't go to them. Do not go to them. And remember, this is Jesus Christ speaking to who? The men that became the 12 apostles. They graduated from being disciples, and the word disciple meaning what? A student. Now these men had graduated to now becoming teachers. And so he's sending them out to go teach. And he's telling them what? Do not go and take what you learned and give it to the people that are not Israelites. Do not give it to the people that are not Jews. The message you have and what you've been given is to be given to only one people. This is the words of Jesus. Or, again, the English word Jesus or the Hebrew word Yahweh Shai. The Savior. Bring on, son. And into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. And when we go and look up Samaritans, Samaria was... was, was a city within the land of Israel. Think about Israel like this. Israel is a country, just like America is a country. And now in, in America, you have the, what, 48 states in America, from the East Coast all the way to California, Oregon, uh, uh, Washington State, from the North, uh, uh, was it Minnesota, North Carolina, uh, North Dakota, uh, Wisconsin, uh, was that Michigan, all the way up to like uh, New York, New Jersey, New York. That's all the north, and then to the south you have what California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. To the south, that makes up the country of America. Well, Samaria. And going back to Israel, if you think about Israel as, as a country, this country got split into really two different um, kingdoms within the same country. And whereas Jerusalem became the capital of the southern country, 
the name Israel was the uh, not, not Israel. Samaria was the capital of the northern country, the northern kingdom in this land of Israel uh, because of our sin. So at one time, Samaria was the capital of the Israelites that lived in that area. Well, those Israelites were expelled and kicked out of Samaria and what what, uh, was northern Israel and came over here to the Americas. The majority of the bulk of them came over to the American, so-called uh, uh, Native American Indians, the so-called uh, um, South American Indians, uh, the people of Brazil, what became known as people of Brazil, um, Peru, uh, Colombia, Argentina, uh, all the countries of, of the natives of South America. All the, the natives of Central America, uh, Guatemala, um, uh, what's that? Guatemala, Ecuador, uh, uh, Panama, uh, Costa Rica, um, including Mexico, and then the Native Americans, including similar Indians of North America, that they got kicked out of the land of Israel with their capital being Samaria. Back in 722 B.C., 722 years before Christ, they were kicked out of the, the promised land. The people that conquered us at that time had brought in foreigners to now live in our land and to live in our cities, especially in Samaria. So these people that were now living in Samaria, even though Samaria was within the country of Israel, the people that were now living there, they weren't the original Israelites. They weren't the original people. So Jesus is telling the apostles what? You can read that one more time, 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. These 12, these, 12, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. So if they're not Israelites, don't go to them. Do not take this message to them. Go ahead. And into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. And you have these foreigners that are now living in the, city of Samar- in the cities of Samaria. Don't go there either. Go ahead. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is what Jesus told the apostles. This is what Jesus told Peter, who became the, the, the chief cornerstone of, well, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, who became the rock that Christ can build the church on. The foundation told them, don't go to the nations. Don't go to anybody outside of Israel, but only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Read. Verse 7. As ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the message of the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven, the message of, of, of the kingdom of heaven was only to what people? From Jesus Christ to the apostles. To the apostles and, and what they were teaching. It was only for the Israelites. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is only for the Israelites. It was, that's why it was important now for the Israelites to start repenting. So when it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, the Son of Man has only come to save that which was lost. Who was lost? The lost sheep in the house of Israel. He didn't come to save everybody. Salvation is not for everybody. It originates and starts with the Jews. 
is for the Jews. From there, give me um, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. No, hold on one second. Um, that's a good place to start. Read again. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Peter and the other who? Apostles. The other 12 answered and said what? We ought to obey God rather than men. Reading on. The God of, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew, ye, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Whom ye slew and hanged on the tree. Go ahead. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So again, God raised up. This is Peter, who, who many consider to be the first pope, even the name comes of pope. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to who? Israel. And forgiveness of sins. Whose sins had to be forgiven? Be forgiven? The sins of the Israelites. That's why Jesus Christ was born. Now let's get Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, again, this is Jesus Christ speaking. The words of Christ in red. I'm here in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, coming out of, out of, out of the state mouth, the, the king, the Lord, his own mouth. New Testament now. What did Jesus say? I am sent not but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Really? Where, where are we at? Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Mm-hmm. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto, but I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I hope you heard that but. I am not sent but. That word but there, mean, that, 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 that means only. I'm only sent to who? The house of Israel. The house of Israel. Who need to be saved from their sins? Because they're the only sinners. Let's go to Acts chapter twenty Acts chapter thirteen verse twenty two. Acts chapter thirteen verse twenty two. And when he had removed him and raised up unto them David to be the to be their king. Let's let, hold on. Um
Let's start at verse 17. Acts chapter 13, we'll start at verse 17. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 13, verse 17. The God of this people of Israel. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Start at 16. Good Lord. Acts chapter 13, verse 16. Then Paul stood up and be, be, be be- beckoning. Beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give an audience. Cool. So here Paul was in, in a council, and he stood up and raised his hand. Make sure you got everybody's attention. Then Paul stood up and beckoned him with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. Man, listen, let, let me speak for a second. Go ahead, verse 17. The God of the people of Israel. The God of this people of who? Israel. Of Israel. Go ahead. Chose our fathers. Chose our fathers. Go ahead. And exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with and with an high arm brought he them out of it. Cool. And we, we know that I was talking about the, the plagues that hit Egypt. Um, the last one being the, the parting of the Red Sea, um, right after the Passover, that God freed the Israelites from captivity, from slavery. And about the time of 40 years, suffered he their manners in the wilderness. So that, that was Acts chapter 13, verse 18. And about the time of 40 years, suffered he their manners in the wilderness. That was the Israelites. Us receiving his laws, his statutes, his commandments, and then being rebellious, wanting to go back to Egypt, wanting to do our own thing, wanting to be like the other nations. He, 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 we had to wait 40 years in coming out of Egypt before we came to the promised land. Go ahead. And when, he, and, we, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. Of Canaan. It says Canaan, but it means Canaan. Canaan. Go ahead. He divided their land to them by law. Now, let me ask you a question. God loves everybody, then why he destroyed these seven nations? If what they teach us in church or teach us in, in, in the world that God loves everybody and he should love everybody, then why did God destroy the seven nations that were in the land of Canaan and give that land to the Israelites? And we're reading from the New Testament, y'all, for a lot of y'all like, like, no, Jesus is about loving everybody. Okay. This is going back to the Old Testament now. And remember, Paul is, is, is refreshing everybody's memory about history, about the history of the Israelites, and about us coming to our land. If God really loves everybody, why did God destroy the seven nations that were in the promised land first? Either God don't love all the nations. Well, not either. God must not love all nations, and somebody must be lying, saying that God loves everybody. Why didn't God save these seven nations when he brought the Israelites into the land of the land of, that became Israel? Why didn't God save the Egyptians? Why did God destroy the Egyptians? When he saved the Israelites, if God loves everybody, somebody must be lying. If God loves everybody and wants everybody to be saved, then why did God destroy? Y'all see that word, right? In Acts chapter 13, verse 19, 
He destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan. Destroyed. He didn't save them. And I know for a lot of people that only have the pagan Christian logic in your mind, this can't be the Bible. This, this, this must be the cult. And this is Paul, the one who pretty much wrote the New Testament. Read. Verse 20. Verse 20. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years unto Samuel the prophet. All of them were still the Israelites. Go ahead. And afterwards, they desired a king. Who desired a king? The Israelites did. We desired a king. Go ahead. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, mm-hmm. a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. No doubt. Saul reigned for about 40 years. Because we, we won the king like the other nations. Most of that gave us Saul. That was the first king. Reading on now, verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. After Saul, King David became the king. Go ahead. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David's going to do things the way I want things done. David, David has submitted to think the way God thinks. Not trying to bring God a suggestion about God. Maybe you should look at it this way. God, you know, this man makes me feel good, so maybe you should adjust how you feel about this. No. David fulfilled all of God's will. Read. Verse 23. Of this man's seed. Of this man's seed, me. Of this man's lineage. Of David's lineage. Of David's family tree. Go ahead. Has God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior? Has God, according to his promise, raised unto whom? Israel. Did it say the whole world? Israel. Everybody. Israel. Anybody with red blood. Israel. Has raised unto Israel what? A savior. A savior named who? Jesus. Jesus. Salvation is only for us. Reading on. Verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance. To all the people of Israel. And then who was John baptizing? Israel. All the people of Israel. Who was John the Baptist preaching to? Israel. All the people of Israel. Salvation is only for the Israelites. Salvation is only for the Israelites. So with that, I do want to thank my, my son for uh, helping me read. He did an outstanding job. Thank you, son. Um, with that, uh, please join us uh, tomorrow. Uh, today's Thursday, right? Yes. <laughs> Let me see here. Tomorrow time is 7.38 now. Today is Thursday, December 29th, year 2000. All right, so it's December 29th, um, Thursday. It's, it's Thursday. Um, tune in tomorrow night, tomorrow evening. Um, again, Eric was 646-668-2568 um, to catch a, a Bonabod show, a Bonabod's a Bible Breakdown. Um, 
I, I, again, ISBHBK has classes. Um, if you want to join the actual class um, uh, here in San Antonio, uh, in Houston, Texas, in North Virginia, and uh, Rochester, Rochester, New York, um, get to a school, y'all. Get to a class. All right? Uh, and we'll keep trying to provide this um, as, as a, as a uh, as an addition uh, to the class that you might be listening to or going to. Uh, so with that, again, thank you everybody for tuning in. My name is Mashallah. I'm Dragon Allah. And we would like to say Shalom. Shalom. Picking church like. Yahweh our power, Yahweh.